Canaan's land. I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. My darkest night will turn to day. Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 34 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Thus, if there is a cross where the Spirit of God prevails in the heart, the man or woman will wonder that it is no greater and will bless God that though there is such a cross, yet that it is no more, that it is the work of the Spirit of God. And if there is a mercy, he wonders at God's goodness, that God granted so great a mercy. The Spirit of God extenuates evils and crosses and magnifies and amplifies all the mercies and makes all mercies seem to be great. And all afflictions seem to be little. But the devil goes quite contrary, says Luther. His rhetoric is quite otherwise. He lessens God's mercies and amplifies evil things. Thus, a godly man wonders at his cross that it is not more. And a wicked man wonders his cross is so much. Oh, he says, none was ever so afflicted as I am. If there is a cross, the devil puts the soul to musing on it and making it greater than it is, and so it brings discontent. And on the other side, if there is a mercy, I indeed, he says, the thing is a good thing, but what is it? It is not a great matter, and for all this, I may be miserable. Thus, the rhetoric of Satan lessens God's mercies and increases afflictions. I will give you a striking example of this, which we find in Scripture. It is the example of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram in Numbers 16, 12, and 13. And Moses sent to call Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? Except thou make thyselves altogether a prince over us? Mark, they slighted the land that they were going to, the land of Canaan. <clears throat> that was the land that God promised them should flow with milk and honey. But mark here their discontentedness because they met with some troubles in the wilderness. Oh, it was to slay them. They make their affliction in the wilderness greater than it was. Oh, it was to kill them, though indeed it was to carry them to the land of Canaan. But though their deliverance from Egypt was a great mercy, they made it to be nothing, for they say, You have brought us out of a land that floweth with milk and honey. What land was that? 
It was the land of Egypt, the land of their bondage, but they call it a land that flowed with milk and honey, though it was the land of their most cruel and unbearable bondage, whereas they should have blessed God as long as they lived for delivering them out of the land of Egypt. Yet, meeting with some cross, they make their deliverance from Egypt no mercy, no. It was rather a misery to them. Oh, they say, Egypt was a land that flowed with milk and honey. Oh, what baseness there is in a discontented spirit. A discontented spirit, out of envy to God's grace, will make mercies that are great little, yea, to be none at all. Would one ever have thought that such a word could have come from the mouth of an Israelite who had been under bondage and cried under it? And yet, when they meet with a little cross in their way, they say, You have brought us out of the land that floweth with milk and honey. To say they were better before than now, and yet before they could not be contented either. This is the usual unthankful expression of a discontented heart. It is so with us now when we meet with any cross in our estates, any taxation and trouble, especially if any among you have been where the enemy have prevailed, you are ready to say, we had plenty before and we are now brought to a condition of hardship. We were better before when we had the prelates and others to domineer, and so we are in danger of being brought into that bondage again. Oh, let us take heed of this, of a discontented heart. There is this woeful, cursed fruit of discontent to make men and women unthankful for all the mercies God has granted to them, and this is a sore and grievous evil. Number five, finally, there is this evil effect in murmuring. It causes shiftings of spirit. Those who murmur and are discontented are liable to temptations to shift for themselves in sinful and ungodly ways. Discontent is the ground of shifting courses and unlawful ways. How many of you are condemned by your consciences of this, that in the time of your afflictions you have sought to shift for yourselves by ways that were sinful against God? And your discontent was the bottom and ground of it. If you would avoid shifting for yourselves by wicked ways, labor to mortify this sin of discontent to mortify it at the root. Roman numeral eight. There is a great deal of folly, extreme folly, in a discontented heart. It is a foolish sin. I shall open the folly of it in many respects. Number one, it takes away the present comfort of what you have because you have not something that you would have. What a foolish thing this is, that because I have not got what I want, I will not enjoy the comfort of what I have. 
Do you not account this folly in your children? You give them some food and they are not contented. Perhaps they say it is not enough. They cry for more. And if you do not immediately give them more, they will throw away what they have. Though you account it folly in your children, yet you deal thus with God. God gives you many mercies, but you see others have more mercies than you, and therefore you cry for more. But God does not give you what you want, and because of that, you throw away what you have. Is not this folly in your hearts? It is unthankfulness. Number two, by all your discontent, you cannot help yourselves. You cannot get anything by it. Who by taking care can add one cubit to his stature or make one hair that is white to be black? You may vex and trouble yourselves, but you can get nothing by it. Do you think that the Lord will come in mercy a whit the sooner because of the murmuring of your spirits? Oh, no, but mercy will be rather deferred the longer for it, though the Lord was about to send mercy before. Yet this disorder of your hearts is enough to put him out of his course of mercy. And though he had thoughts that you should have the thing before, yet now you shall not have it. If you had a mind to give something to your child, yet if you see him in a discontented, fretting mood, you will not give it to him. And this is the very reason why many mercies are denied to you. Because of your discontent, you are discontented for want of them, and therefore you do not give them. You deprive yourselves of the enjoyment of your own desires because of the discontent of your hearts, because you do not get your desires. And is not this a foolish thing? Number three, there are commonly many foolish attitudes that a discontented heart is guilty of. They carry themselves foolishly towards God and towards men. Such expressions and such kinds of behavior come from them as to make their friends ashamed of them many times. Their carriages are so unseemly, they are ashamed to themselves and their friends. Number four, Discontent and murmuring eats out the good and sweetness of a mercy before it comes. If God should give a mercy for the want of which we are discontented, yet the blessing of the mercy is, as it were, eaten out before we come to have it. Discontent is like a worm that eats the meat out of the nut, and then... When the meat is eaten out of it, you have the shell. If a child were to cry for a nut of which the meat has been eaten out and is all worm-eaten, what good would the nut be to the child? So you would fain have a certain outward comfort, and you are troubled for the want of it, but the very trouble of your spirits is the worm that eats the blessing out of the mercy then perhaps God gives it to you, but with a curse mixed with it, so that you are better not to have it than have it. God gives the man or woman who is discontented for want of some good thing, 
that good thing before they are humbled for their discontent. Such a man or woman can have no comfort from the mercy, but it will be rather an evil than a good to them. Therefore, for my part, if I should have a friend or brother or one who was as dear to me as my own soul, whom I saw discontented for the want of such a comfort, I would rather say, Lord, keep this thing from them till you shall be pleased to humble their hearts for their discontent. Let not them have the mercy till they come to be humbled for their discontent over the want of it. For if they have it before that time, they will have it without any blessing. Therefore it should be your care when you find your hearts discontented for the want of anything to be humbled for it, thinking thus with yourselves, Lord, if what I so immoderately desire were to come to me before I am humbled for my discontent for want of it, I am certain I could have no comfort from it, but I should rather have it as an affliction to me. This concludes episode 34 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Where the soul of man never dies.